Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is Richard Churchyard. Richard is the owner of Raves from the Grave Record Store. They are about to celebrate their 25th anniversary. Uh, It's my favourite record store in the whole world. It's a place where I've spent thousands of pounds over the years. And I just wanted to get him in to talk about his life as a retailer in music and all the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of selling physical media throughout the years, the history of the store, its many locations, his ambitions, his foray into theatre, his bands, uh, his plans to sort of not not retire, but maybe take it a bit easier soon, and just loads of other stuff. It's a great freewheeling conversation about record stores and uh, the life of a record store owner. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Uh, so here it is, Richard Churchyard. So, Richard, Race from the Grave, 25 years in March. That's it. It's got to be one of the oldest record stores going. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't know about that, but I know, so I know there's there's a place in Cardiff which is uh, very is, is known as being the oldest place, basically. But, yeah, I mean, to be still going, I'm quite proud and amazed that we, we have managed to do that, I've got to admit, in a small town like Froome. So. Yeah, because you've been, I mean, like, you've had to, I guess, to keep a record store going that long you have to be very reactive don't you to the ebb and flow of the music industry because you've had let's let's say for instance that you've had the decline of vinyl Hmm. which probably started as you opened right no it started before actually decline decline of vinyl was predominantly i would say sort of middle 80s through to sort of end of sort of early 90s really so when we opened vinyl was still second hand i mean new vinyl was was unheard of there was very very few new represses in 97 when we opened um, and we just did we did just did second hand for the first couple of years to be honest we didn't start doing new CDs or vinyl for for the first couple of years and then we were obviously getting asked for things that we couldn't get second hand so that's when we started doing new stuff and but but you... vinyl second hand vinyl has always been pretty strong I right mean, uh, I got my first ever record vinyl record from you what was it it was Judas Priest yeah. Unleashed in the East right their classic. live album <laughs> classic yeah yeah and I, I guess how much I paid for it it was in your bargain bin out when you're in the cheap street store <laughs> uh, front three quid lower pound lower 50p 50p 50p, 50p. <laughs> I got it home and I was like oh because I felt like I had this like this like rock and roll relic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, there's something about all those old bands, Priest, Sabbath, the Aussie solo stuff, ACDC, Thin Lizzy, um, Rainbow, Dio, mm. the all Deep Purple, all that ilk. I just feel like on vinyl, and I don't want to get like super pretentious because no. you know I'm a CD man. Yep, but on vinyl, there's something about that era mm. where there's a magic to that stuff on vinyl, yeah, I think. I would I would say so, definitely, yeah. I mean, it's that sort of, you know, metal stuff. Um, I mean, if you get a few crackles on a metal album like that, it doesn't really matter too much, does it? Probably, <laughs> ad, probably adds to it, really. You don't want it too crystal clear like a CD, do you? Yeah, so. you don't want it too, like, no. too digital. No. But I think that the drums on, it's definitely stuff like um, Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, the Dio era stuff, when they've got... Um, Oh, it's Vinnie a piece, isn't it? Uh, on yeah, the, on the drums, yeah. there's something. There's a warmth in those drums. Someone said to me once that drums on vinyl, they mix in better because obviously they're a 
I don't know. I don't know. Something about the analog thing. Apparently, yeah, the drums in, yeah. in classic rock yeah. sit much better. Yeah. I think. I think certain bands are probably work better on vinyl than CD. I think most sort of sixties beat groups definitely sound better on vinyl, and I said that you, you want it to be a bit, you know, tinny and sort of trebly, whatever. Whereas I always think if you're listening to bands like say The Cure and something like that, a bit more moody. Uh, CD's probably better personally because you don't want any hiss or crackles or anything. You just want it, you know. You just want the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can get behind that. I can get behind that. So yeah, 50p I bought it and I got home and I realised, I was like, oh, I don't really know. It must have been scratched at that price, wasn't it? <laughs> Still got it. I'll have to have a look. Um, but I got home and I remember thinking, I don't know how I'm going to play this. Because <laughs> you didn't have a record player. Right, and my dad had a like one of those old combo things yeah. from, from like the 90s or something and it had a little little deck on the top. Yeah. I remember looking at it and just thinking like, what do I do? I had to be taught how to, you know, how to use it. But there was something great about that because it was like, it was interactive. Yeah. It was yeah, an interactive yeah. thing. And since then I've amassed quite, quite a good vinyl collection, but I stopped when vinyl came back. Yeah. Um, because for the price of a brand new vinyl, I can buy two CDs mm. from you. At least. Yeah, yeah. at least. Yeah. And um, I just think that's, you know, mm. when you when you've got as much like music, because you know, I only really listen to old stuff. I'm always buying. I'm always digging backwards. Yeah. I haven't got enough. To, there's not enough lifetime to to get no. to it. All, <laughs> do you know what I mean, so I was just like, I need, I need to get to it the most efficient way I can, which is just get it on CD. You can keep more of it. Store, you know, yeah. store more of it. Buy more of it. And and it, you know, and I'm a bit like. I am the kind of guy that would fiddle with a record player one day when I'm bored, mm. put something nice on it, and just skate it across yeah. on the next yeah. plane. And be like, yeah. ah, for sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you remember what the first record you bought was? Yes, I can actually. Well, the first single I bought was Lady Madonna when I was the Beatles, obviously when I was eight, 19, 1968, I bought that, and uh, then the second single was Fox on the Run by Manfred Mann. But the first album I bought was Mott by Mott the Hoople. It's uh, <clears throat> still in my collection, still one of my favourite albums of all time, and I'm a massive, massive Mott the Hoople fan. I was going to say, you're still a Mott the Hoople yeah, fan. Yeah, love them to bits. Um, I think I've seen you rocking a T-shirt or two in, yeah, the, in, yeah, the, in the store. Yeah, 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 I've seen them a few times as well. So. Um, do you still own those? Yeah, 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 I've still got that. And the second album was Ziggy Stardust, uh, Rise and Fall, Bowie, I've still got that. I still um, I used, I, put, I, I used to put my name in a little sticker and put my uh, my initials RC on the on the label so that if I took it to a party or something, I obviously looked after my vinyl and uh, right. but so that I wouldn't lose it. I'd remember it was mine basically, and I've still got those in my collection. Get your hands off! <laughs> That's my copy. Um, amazing. So so when did your because you must have like like I do like as you know, I've put I've put I don't know how untold amounts of money in your till over the years, and I have to sort of kind of have to stop myself at the moment. Yeah. But I will be back in in the yeah. new year for that Green Day BBC yeah, session exactly. you got for me. Um, where does like obviously for me, I've got that huge collection, and there's a there's some sort of attachment there. There's mm. a there's a thing where I love it, and there's a there's a thing with it, right? Yeah. So when did you feel you must have that same thing? Because you've opened a, a record store I, I, and you've, yeah, you've kept I it do, going. I do. The, the trouble with owning a record shop, being self-employed as well, is that um, I always see that as my my collection because obviously I own the business. So right. myself and my wife own the business. So what's in the shop is mine, obviously. So, But I have got a big collection at home. But I... I don't collect as much as I used to because A, I haven't got the space in the house and my wife would 
do a nut if I took any more final or do you ever back just slip in. Any in on, I mean, oh, I don't yeah, want to no. get you in trouble. No, no, I do. Yeah, I know I do definitely. Certain things I, I sort of think, you know, if there's anything left from Record Store Day, I think, well, I definitely want that. There was a Doors album, Morrison Hotel, last, last Record Store Day. I thought, I definitely want that. And there was one left at the end of the day. So I thought, I'm having that. But um, I I sold all my, a lot of my best stuff when I first opened the shop because I didn't I was very short on stock. I don't have that problem now, but I was very short <laughs> on stock at the in the early days, and um, I put some of my own collection in, and a lot of that I'm trying to replace. A lot of it was punk stuff, which again very very hard to replace now. Right, I have got quite a lot of it back, but I, I've still got a big CD vinyl and DVD collection. I collect sort of retro DVDs as well, sort of unusual. Oh things but um and uh but yeah i just i keep it in the shops so unless it's something that i really think i must have at home for, you know, for example if it was a couple of mot the hoople original albums that i didn't have i i would obviously take those but generally i just leave it in the shop and think well that's my collection if i want to listen to it, i can but if i you know if i ever do want to take it home i can but uh, so what happens if you you know you've you've got something that you keep coming back to but it stays in the store and then someone comes along and puts it on the till um, like, oh, oh, no. That doesn't happen very often, to be honest, because I say if there isn't much that I mean, I used to be fanatical collecting Beatles and Beatles related stuff. So anything on the Apple label, I used to collect, and I've still got a huge collection of bands like Bad Finger and Jackie Lomax, and Mary Hopkin, anything on on the Apple label as well as the Beatles solo albums. And I wouldn't sell those. Um, and there was a couple of Bad Finger original albums I still would like to get. Right. Um, uh, how rare are they? How, how rare are we talking? <laughs> they're not. I mean, they're not that collectible. I mean, they're you know, a lot of them only came out in the states, basically. So the British presses are harder to get, but they're not. They're not ridiculously collectible. I've got to admit, but right. But there, there wasn't many of them made, so it's, they're still pretty hard to find. Mm. Um, but apart from that, and maybe early punk singles, there's a few punk singles I'm still trying to replace oh, that I sold really, really cheaply on a boot sale years and years ago, basically for like a pound each, and they're like now sort of 70, 80 quid. And, uh, but then I would never play them, so I don't really know why I want them, but just to, just to look at it. Well, you know, I've got <laughs> 2,000 CDs and, and a whole bedroom yeah. dedicated. I'm going to have to, when it's finished, I want to bring, bring you up and show you. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I'd, like to see, like yeah I'd like to see your place, you've definitely. You've decked yeah. it out, basically, over the years. Um, but it is like a little raves in there. Yeah. But I know full well when yeah. I walk in there, it's probably, I could probably shed a thousand. Yeah. And I'd not miss it because I probably won't no. listen to it. But there's something about knowing you've got knowing it you've in got there. It. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, well, I'm going to keep that um, squeeze. Well, a lot, a lot of it is where you remember wanna... you bought it because, you know, you think, well, actually, I bought that on such and such day, whatever. And uh, I'm, I'm also a collector of music books or statistical music books and biographies and stuff and autobiographies. I've got loads and loads, bookcases full of the things. Right. And I really don't like to get rid of any. We, we moved house six months ago and we downsized and... Uh, Again, my wife was sort of, you know, saying, do you really need all these books, you know? And yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Why? Shut up. Um, I have a book you might want. You've probably got it. It's the Record Collector. Um, it's from 2002. It's that big Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, we don't use that very often nowadays, to be honest, because, um, I don't know, we use, for a more up-to-date price range, Discogs is probably the best idea basically but we used to find it was a lot of the prices were very inflated there for certain genres of music like right. for example proggy stuff always seemed to be inflated whereas reggae and punk seemed to be priced lower so we we you know it's, it's good for a guide but we don't see it as the bible what after 25 years we know generally what we can get for things really and we know what genres of music we want more than others so it's uh 
yeah but okay yeah because i used to go through that book yeah when i got vinyl and even then it was yeah. a few years out yeah. of date but it's just fun to no, look no it's the... fine i mean i've got a copy and we've got we still we've got a copy in the shop basically yeah. but yeah we use we use more of experience now as opposed to uh, yeah what they say you know just because say a ui heap out might be 80 quid we know that we're not going to get that for UI heat, basically. So we probably right. price our stuff according to what we think, you know, the customer will pay really. So, so what do you think the difference is between an like an eBay price and an in-store price? E- eBay is this kind of... eBay, we don't like eBay at all, to be honest. I really I don't don't use eBay at all, to be honest. Um, top with eBay, we, people come and say, well, well, is that, you know, eBay is selling it for that price? Well, no, it's not selling at that price. That's it's, the price it is on B- yeah, eBay. It yeah. hasn't sold, said it's sold. PopSite's way better because PopSite tells you what it's sold for. So right. that's another site you can look at. Discogs so you can, does that as and well. Discogs does that as well. Though Discogs, unfortunately, will tell you it. It'll show you there's something for fifty p on something, but then it'll say it's got no cover and no record. So you you obviously have to do a bit of research with Discogs. You have to mm. look at it and find a, an equivalent, you know, description of something. But Pop Psych's way better because it tells you what something is sold for. So. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't like eBay. There's too many, oh, I don't know, cowboys on eBay personally. So. I know. I'm, I, I fall victim to the eBay thing. Yeah. Whereas I'll look for something just on a whim and it'll be like, there'll be two listed for like six quid. Yeah. And then there'll be a bunch at like twenty four ninety nine. Yeah. 30, yeah. 50. Yeah. And then I keep scrolling. If I keep seeing that thing at 30 or above, yeah. I go, oh shit, I'll... I better buy the six quid one yeah. now. <laughs> but now I did yeah. that the other day with uh, with, with a live album thing. The weird, the weird thing we always find with, dis- on it, with eBay is that they list the highest price first, and I I always find that amusing. That you know, no one shops for the highest price first, do they? Have you ever been anywhere and thought, well, I'm going to look for the highest price first? I want to pay as much as possible for something. Yeah, it must be because they that that would be possibly in order of condition not always not always no you can filter yeah. it out yeah you probably can yeah. A, yeah you might yeah. have just left yeah. your filter yeah. on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rich anyway rich. but we don't we don't use it very often anyway we say off you know the first maybe a few years of trading but generally now and, that, and this applies to cds as well we you know you know what bands sell and which ones don't yeah. sell really and which genres of music sell best and i love yeah. discogs I've looked yeah. at, I've, I've scanned every, I haven't scanned my vinyl in all my music DVDs, yeah. but I've scanned every CD I have, have into my right. Discogs right. thing. Yeah. Like, just ridiculous. It's like 1,980 something You've CDs. obviously got more time on your hands than I have. Um, I used to. <laughs> I used to. And so my collection, because they do the three, don't they? So they've got the, it, 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 it um, groups together all the, lo- all, like everything you've got for yeah. the lowest it ever sold for. Yeah. Like, together and then it's the median value isn't it mm. and it's the highest value so that would be the stuff when it's sold on day one sealed for full price or whatever yeah. so my collection is currently it is lowest it is lowest estimation is about i think it's seven grand God. Mm. and then the middle is 11 or something and then the yeah. highest my highest um thing is twenty two thousand. But I'll never get twenty two no, no, thousand. No, no. And if I brought you into that room and I went, Rich, I'm selling it all, <laughs> you'd, you'd go three grand. Yeah. I'd probably say less than that. <laughs> I wouldn't want it at the moment. We've got too much stuff. <laughs> you got a gazebo out the back. I thought they sell because we're doing a. They got a, um, somebody who contacted us whose um, father unfortunately passed away, and he's he'd been storing his father's collection in a, in a lockup. 
And uh, we're taking it gradually because we can't take it all at once. So, yes, we have a gazebo so more full of, of cells. Oh, there's loads more to oh, come. Oh, right. That, that, what we've had so far is probably just about a, a fifth of, of what's available. Yeah. Okay. Loads to come. Because I've combed through that. There's loads. And, that, it's, yeah. and it's a very, very good collection, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We're talking like cream deluxe editions. Yeah. We've got, um, what else is in there? What did I buy? Um, there's White Snake stuff, Beatles remasters. Yeah. Um, loads of yes box yeah, sets. No. That Actually, oh no, no, no! This is, is a different. One? No, this is another collection. Oh, right. You need to come again. We've got load of punky stuff from. Oh, have a look. Yeah, you've got a lot like, of overkill. Yeah, but, we've, all, but stuff. we've also got another. This is another collection from the one you've seen before. So uh, is that in there it's now? Too much. Yeah. We, well, what we've got so far, but we took, but we had, we had to take everything. So we. Uh, we've been um, supplying the charity shops with stuff that we didn't want because right. every collect every. Box we've gone through, you know, there's a load of stuff you think, well, we definitely don't want 20 Harry Seekermat CDs. So, you know, so we'll keep a couple and get rid of the rest. And, but you uh, know, you can keep some at mine. Uh, I mean, you know, Harry Seekermat. No, not them. <laughs> if you want to keep the good stuff dry, uh, I got it's a, dry I got at a the spare room, man. Um, but um, yeah, I thought, you know, weirdly, I went to the charity shops the other day. Yeah. For, I don't go every week no. because you end up seeing the same stuff, no. don't you? So I leave it a little bit, and I went round the other day, and I thought, I thought the, um, thought the, I thought the, the, I can't remember which ones we went to, but we had loads of vinyls there because we we had to take everything, so we like bought sort of so many boxes back, and then gone Tom and me have gone through it and thought, well, you know, we definitely don't want that, we can't sell that, and then we just sort of obviously taking the stuff we don't want to the charity shop. So uh, I mean, you know, there is it's a very wide collection of all genres of music. Right. So, uh, but yes, so. Uh, so how long do you think it's going to take you until you've shifted that? Do you um, think that would be the, the last collection you no, buy? No, no, it definitely won't. I mean, right. today somebody bought a, a load of Queen stuff in, which, again, that's that's one band that we can sell well right. on vinyl, definitely. So there's some quite nice stuff in that as well. But okay. no, we never we never turn away. The, I mean, the, there's certain genres of music we don't want any more of now. And one is, the main one is easy listening on vinyl, definitely. So, you know, we're one of the, I think we're one of the few shops in the, the country irony. that stock things like Jack Jones and James Last on vinyl. But as you can appreciate, the, the market is very, very small for things <laughs> like that. But uh, because we, I think we, you know, as I said, we're, we're one of the few shops that do stock it. We do occasionally sell, you know, bony MLPs and, you know, and Carpenter's LPs and Neil Diamond and things like that. So, but it's not just, it's not just music. Like, your, your shop is, it's very important. One, because it's an independent. Yeah. But also because there's a whole section of the town that come to you for things that you wouldn't expect to get from a record store. No. So you've got people that come in and see, say to you, like, have you got this Doctor Who thing? Yeah. Have you got this, you know, other little collectible? I mean, it's got to be film or music generally, yeah. hasn't it? But you, you end up ordering in, like, when I'm in there, you, yeah. you, you, if you spend the amount of time in your place that I do, um, obviously you do, yeah. um, you get to realise kind of like what's coming in, who's ordering what, what yeah, the kind of definitely. weird curiosity yeah. pieces are. That and you get some really strange horror films in and things like yeah. that, B-movies for people. Yeah, I mean, a normal day for us is to, you know, get asked for Daniel O'Donnell cassettes and then the next customer wants Quicksilver Messenger Band vinyl, you know, and it's just there is there is no logic to it, you know, everything. We'll do our best to obtain everything, but, you know, it's... it's uh, you know, it's, it's quite hard. You know, it's hard to get a lot of this stuff, basically. But it's, uh, yeah. Do you think you're? A, do you think you're a workaholic? Uh, yeah. Had, uh, I don't know how many stores you've had. The Bath store. Um, the store well, we've, in we had, we had three shops in Bath, so right. I mean, that was the 
I mean, in the space of about a year and a bit, we had three. We moved three times in Bath, not because we wanted to, but the least it was a very temporary lease. When the first shop, for example, was we were sharing the shop with someone else, and then that ended, and then we had to move somewhere else, and then that ended, and then we moved somewhere else, and then. But we it never really worked in Bath. To be honest, it was it, a, a we didn't take much money, but also the the logistics of trying to take the stock and park outside the shop and take all the new releases and. Uh, didn't work and then the warmer's shop yeah that was 12 years and again that that never really worked i mean we we spent a lot of time and energy and money on trying to make it a great shop and it was a great shop it was you great. know yeah and it is it's quite sad that it's well, it's very sad to bond it said it's gone now because it took us a long time to build it up particularly my wife spent a lot of time uh, putting it, you know a lot of energy into that into that shop really but uh, it's just just sad it just didn't we just didn't get enough customers through the door so it's you know and at the end of the day you can only have a loss making business for so long and then you think well I've, you know we've done everything we can potentially do to make it to make customers go there and if they don't want to go there then we've you know You've got to kill your darlings haven't you exactly so when we moved into the the bigger shop in in king street where we are now is you know that was the plan was always you know now we've got a bigger shop we can get it all into one building and we don't need two shops and i think that place that you're in now king street yeah that's the one isn't it yeah well i mean we definitely i mean i'm, I'm so right 61 now and i'm definitely we're definitely not moving again like there's no way i mean the last move was you know i mean it went really really smoothly it only took us two weeks to move all the stock over which only was incredible um but for the listener you're, you're traveling about 50 meters yeah, from yeah, one store yeah. to the other it took two weeks. Yeah, I know, but that's, that's putting all the shelves up as well and, yeah. uh, and kitting and, you know, every single CD and record I put actually on the shelves. So, um, uh, uh, but yes, we wouldn't want to move again and there would be no need to move again. We, we always could do with more space, but there's no, you know, we've still got far too much stock for any town, let alone a town the size of Froome. So we do not need any more space, definitely. And like I said with the workaholic thing, you, you you must be a driven and ambitious man because, like you said, so many stores over the years and moves and, and different, you know, attempts at, you know, expanding and, and whatnot. And you've, But the thing is you've stuck around yeah. through all of the different changes in the music industry and even the 2008 industry crash, yeah. which I guess probably, I don't know, how did that affect... The retail really, side of stuff. It's weird because, I mean, a, a lot of people probably don't know as well. I also had a, well, we had a video shop that um, I think we were probably the only oh, video yes. shop in the country, the Video Crypt, which was in well, number two Cheap Street now, basically. We had three floors there. So, and we used to do very, very well with videos, obviously. In, uh, um, and we had, I had a stationers as well, Sam Office Supplies, which, um, you know, again, that, I didn't that know went, you had that. Yeah, that was that was mine as well. And I had a card shop, Card Tomb, which I bought from someone else, and it was a card shop in Cheap Street. So at one stage, I had like four shops down the same yeah, street. Um, and yeah, for one reason or another, um, I won't, I won't bore you with with things. I mean, the card shop didn't take any money. The stationers, my was a divorce settlement to uh, uh, <laughs> my right. second wife, basically. <laughs> so I've just got just got the music thing now, basically. But um. Uh, yeah, I would say I'm, I love retailing. That's all I've ever done since I left school. So, I remember that video store. Yep, you do. Um, I used to be a real pain in the ass in that video store. I don't remember you from there. But... Um, what you because you'd go in, you'd go through the door. Yeah. On your left, there would be um, sort of waist height um, boxes of vinyl. Yep. That would, would yes, build definitely. over into yeah, there. Yeah. And then you had this. Then you had the desk. Yep. 
um, and the back room, I guess. And then you had the stairs going up, didn't you, on the right? But Little before that, stairs, yeah. Before yeah. that, oh, and you had to leave your backpack down there. Yeah, we so used to have a got... cellar where there was actually a shower in the set. Really? We had a se the cellar, that which was that, because I think it was someone's house originally. Right. It was, it was the old um, uh, jewellers, Vincent's Jewellers, I think, which was years ago. This was We're talking now sort of 22 years ago. And, um, yeah, downstairs in the cellar, which we turned into a, a, another storage place where people could go down to. There was actually a shower down there. It must have been the only record shop in the country with a shower. <laughs> you, you, it was, first, you, 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 would, you wouldn't have wanted to have a shower, and it was a pretty grotty <laughs> shower. I remember before the steps, if you took a right, you had a little cubby yeah. hole. Yes. And that was where the WWE, WWF, yeah, was, yeah. WCW... Yeah. All the wrestling VHS tapes were in there. Yeah, we still keep wrestling DVDs. Actually, we don't. We sell them occasionally, basically. So, but yes, no, we had all the wrestling. Uh, and I used to go in, and I used because Andrew used to work in there. Who yeah. worked for you for years yes, and years. Yes, he did. Yeah. And I think I oh, was the biggest pain in the ass to him because every time I'd go in, I'd go, "Have you got any misfits on vinyl?" Every week. I do. Get... I do. I do remember you now from there. Right. <laughs> some, some things haven't changed. Right. No, definitely not. And uh, and I got to the point where I'd walk in the door and he'd go, "No misfits vinyl this week." <laughs> <laughs> I got one from there though. I did get one from there. But I remember I'd just go in there and I'd be so like so obsessed with like the wrestling and yeah. and, and like my all, my ADHD would just be like. And I'd get all the videos out on the floor and I'd be like, just like, oh, just a pain in the ass, the nightmare customer. Just be like, oh, and I'd like look at the run times and I'd be like, oh, if I've only got this amount of pocket money, I've got a like bang for your buck, right? Yeah. I've got to get the longest running time tape. Yeah. Or I'd look at the match the match list. And I'd be like, it'd have to it'd have to be an amalgamation of like, what's the longest with the best with the best like <laughs> card on it, right? Madness, madness. You could have been a wrestler, actually, couldn't you? I could have. And yeah. I've, you know, I mean, I've, if I'd known, I, we did we did a podcast with a wrestler yeah. the other day, yeah. shout out Key and the Fox, <sighs> Kelly. Um, I was bigger than him. Yeah. <laughs> You're still young enough. <laughs> right? Well, I yeah. might do, I might do. But I, I said to him, if I'd known I was going to be 6'9", yeah. when I was a kid, yeah. and I was wrestling obsessed. There's money in it. I'd have just started hitting the gym and found a trainer. I would have just done it. Yeah. No question about it. I'd have been in there. I would have been all over it. And I kind of was hoping, because we were wandering around that day while they were setting up yeah. down there. All the wrestlers were hanging out by the ring and like practicing their slams and uh. looking mean and stuff. <laughs> and I was walking around, I was thinking, someone's going someone's gonna to ask me, like, <laughs> which one am I? Do you know what I mean? And, like, and like maybe someone would take me aside and go, do you, do you want us to train? I said, all these little things, I, I was like, this is bound to happen. But the funny thing is that we we, we were walking out because we were recording upstairs in the cheese and grain. So I had to walk out through the foyer yeah. of the grain bar and all the fans were hanging out in there. Yeah. And um, and Harry was already up there getting ready. Yeah. And I was just just fetching um, some some bits and taking them up. And I walked out the door and I heard someone go, oh, yeah, a wrestler. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say somebody wanted your autograph. But... <laughs> I don't know what I'd have done. I don't know what I'd have done. I'd have signed it. I'd have yeah. just made oh, something no, up. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I've long history with your stores. Yep. Um, but what, what made you want to start doing this? What was the thing where you were like, um, you know what, I'm actually, this is what I'm going to well, do? Well, I've said, said, I've always, when I left school, I mean, I, I dis dismally, uh, or my GCSE results were dismal generally, so I uh, went into retail and uh, as a sort of a, a stopgap measure and decided I really liked it. So I worked for WH Smith for 20 years and uh, 
in 90, I started. What do you mean, 20 years? Yeah, 1977 oh, I started at WH Smith when I left school. So how old were you when you started Raves? I was, uh, well, it was uh, 25 years ago. And I'm 61 now. So what <laughs> was that, 44, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. I just, I don't know, when I think about it, I just get this vision of you opening it as like a super no. young, like... No, no, I wasn't... Hungry <laughs> chap. Right. I was, I was hungry, but I wasn't super well, 44 was quite it's young. It's not like old, but like, no, I just no. thought, I don't know why. No, I no, no. Thought... So I did Smiths for 20 years and again, sort of went around the country managing different shops of Smiths. And again, I was um, manager of Notting Hill Gate branch and decided that I fancied running my own business and now was the time to do it. I was in the middle of a relationship change and... Um, uh, I had some friends down in Somerset, so I thought I'll come to Froome, open a shop, buy a house down there. And uh, so 97, that's what I did, really. So I chucked my um, well-paid job in, came down, and on the, the first day, day in uh, Cheap Street, I took £13 on my first day. And uh, that's when I was wondering how I made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, amazing. Um, any, any, do you have any, like, are you are you going to retire soon at some point? I'm not, We've I'm, kind of talked about it in private in the shop, haven't we? I yeah. don't know how much you want to talk about no, it. I can talk about camera. it, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, it's, being self-employed is very, very hard. I can't, I can't imagine ever retiring because I, I still enjoy the job. I have days when I really want to hit someone, basically, as probably most people do at any job, really. And I, I know think those the old, days when I walk yeah, in, yeah. I see it on your face. Yeah, because yeah, we do, you know, we do get a lot of eccentric customers. <laughs> no, we're not naming anyone for no, One of them do. springs to mind. Yes, and uh, you do, when they've been in the shop two or three times in the same day, you actually, uh, <laughs> you do find your patience sort of wearing a bit. But um, I still love doing it. Um, next year, I'm going down to four days from five days a week. Um, and uh, that was something I planned. For. One of the reasons we, we were getting rid of warm, it's because myself and my wife, there's things we want to do that we haven't had time to do. Um, things like we've got a motorhome, but it's almost we want to go away more in that. I, I'm a football fan, so I want to go to more football matches. I'm a cricket fan, so I want to go to some cricket matches. So, and it's just annoying at the moment. I just work all the time. So, right. yeah, as you know, I'm playing a couple of bands as well. I've been doing a bit of acting recently, so I've got quite another, a lot of other things going on. So I'm not retiring, but yeah, next year I'm going down to fall. You're Four a polymath. Days a polymath, yeah. But polymath. <laughs> You're good at lots of things. Yeah. Tell me about your bands. And I want to know about you, because initially when I asked you to come on here, you said, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm for yeah. pantomime yeah. auditions. That, that I was, thought, yeah. Richard, in the pantomime. Yeah, well, so I'm, tell me about your music and then... And then I'll tell you about the pantomime. Yeah, well, yeah. music, I've been doing music bands uh, since I was 21. This is 40 years. And um, with loads of school friends when I was 20, actually it might have been earlier than that, about 19. We formed. We used to go and see a lot of music, and we thought we can do this. This was, you know, sort of post-punk days, and so we did do it basically. And we formed a sort of a really bad blues band, but writing our own material, and uh, we we did loads of gigs. And, uh, and then I've been in loads of, over the years when I moved about um, the country with Smiths. I've been in a country and western band, a jazz band, a, a prog band. I've done most genres of music, uh, but at the moment I'm in. Uh, well, we're two and a bit bands basically. Sweet Machine, we've been going for twenty, nearly twenty-five, maybe longer than that, thirty years, and we, we're electronicy, um, yeah, electronicy pop band. Similar, well, we used to be more similar to bands like probably Depeche Mode and stuff, but we think we're a bit more now like a sort of Human League meets the Pet Shop Boys, really. So, uh, but we write all our own stuff. I write the music, and uh, Tim the singer writes the words, and we, but yeah, we've done loads of gigs. We obviously haven't done many gigs recently because of COVID, but we played. Uh, Month ago at the Bennett Centre in Froome, 
So, yeah, we still enjoy doing that as well. The rest of the band, apart from Tim lives in Somerset, but um, the other two live in, one lives in Brighton, one lives in London, so we it's more of a social thing. So Right. Uh, I was going to ask you, how do you keep a band going for... 30 odd years. 30 well, odd we've, years. we've done like two albums and we used to we used to play every sort of couple of months. We're playing in Brighton two gigs in January because I say the bass player lives in Brighton really and we're, we're doing the Froom Festival if it actually happens again next year. We were supposed to do it the last two years but obviously with it being cancelled. Um, we're playing in France, Chateau Gontier with the Twin Town in thing. Uh, and again, that should have been the last two years but that was obviously aborted because of COVID but hopefully that will finally go ahead next August bank holiday so we're, we're doing so. that. Um, uh, is that other... through Patrick Moss? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Good um, the other band that which we again we just put back together again was an ABBA tribute band called SOS, which again we're head, headlining at the Cheese and Grain on New Year's Eve, and that was supposed to be last year, but again that obviously was cancelled because of COVID. So, uh, but again, I'm not, I'm not a massive ABBA fan, but again, being a keyboard player, it's it, it's challenging. Right. Mildly, really, and I enjoy doing it. I love the people in the band, so we're actually doing that again. Which then, one are you in the? Well, I'm Benny, obviously the keyboard player. So right, uh, I don't know either. Yeah. Right, but I know, I know that I know well, that Bjorn is guitarist. Benny is the uh, keyboard player, but right. I, I do backing vocals and stuff. So there's six of us in that. Um, and then I also was in a band, Lost Grebos, which again finished because three members decided they again it was during COVID. It was frustrating because we were getting quite a lot of work, and then COVID meant we had to sort of cancel a lot of gigs. And three of the members are doing other things now, so. And again, we, I'm still keen on maybe sort of re-getting the band going again, but it's very hard when you're like, you know, the only, only original member. So, right. it's the, so that one might not happen, but, you know, we'll watch this space. And uh, So, yeah, that's my musical activities and uh, acting. I've never really been into acting, but I got... Um, yeah, what made you go, I'm going to do well, that? Well, two reasons. One... They were putting on Dad's Army at the Merlin, and right. I'm a big, I'm a big, as I said, big retroy British uh, film buff thing anyway. And uh, I've loved, I love Dad's Army, and uh, Anne Dimery, who was the director, who is a singer in the ABBA band, so I've known her for years as well. And uh, yeah, I just thought I'll have a go at that. So I was Hodges um, and Private Sponge and Private Hancock in that. So and and again, really enjoyed it. it took up a lot of my time, huge amount of time, in fact. <laughs> but again, enjoyed doing that. And because of that, I've been enrolled in the Road Village Pantomime, which is happening next March as well. <laughs> I keep waiting, right? I keep waiting every year for someone to come to me and go, Andy, we're doing Jack in the Beanstalk. <laughs> we need the giant. <laughs> Will you? I'll be, yeah, yes! Well, I'll, I'll keep you in yes! mind. If ever. I'm putting that on the record yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, you'd be good at acting, actually. I mean, again, I... It's, it's funny because I never thought it was not something that I... I mean, my mum and dad used to do amateur dramatics, so maybe it's sort of in my, in my blood, but uh, I've left it late to, to start. But I, I enjoyed the whole um, putting together of a play. It's actually quite exciting. Oh, seeing it come together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's different. It's something new to me. And uh, as I said, it, you know, it takes a lot of time, obviously, with the rehearsing and the dress rehearsals. And, you know, you can't just come to the performances where you're speaking you need to know the whole of the play as well so it's uh, everyone's lines, yeah yeah so. yeah it's virtually so and it's good on your on your memory and right well your memory's probably quite good it's not not as good as it used to be but, but you've probably that recall <laughs> yeah for what you yeah. you know because like you said all your st- i can go in i try not to be that lazy bastard yeah who goes in and just goes hi have you got you know what i mean i mm. i try and find yeah. it first yeah. but i often just find myself stood upstairs right yeah. <laughs> Just doing this at the rack <laughs> for like ten minutes, just like oh, I don't want to ask him because he's really 
busy, Tell but us. I like. I no, can't I'm... fucking find it. <laughs> <laughs> if I come down and you come up and you go, uh, yeah, it's there, and yeah, then you're yeah. gone again, and yeah. I'm like, oh, thanks. For I don't buy it anyway. But um, but yeah, your memory must be incredible, really, because you know anything I ask you, you yeah. just. Well, I think I think like anybody in their early sixties, memory is good for certain things and bad for others. I can't remember what I had for tea last night, but yes, I can remember exactly where quintessence are filed away and things like that you know so, uh, and what someone's third album is useless information <laughs> um how good was because i've only seen the shots of of the dad's army stuff but yeah. it looked like you guys went to town on it yeah how was, good was alan overton in it he's very good i mean he's done two or three before I and mean, we, the actual play was part of something called project play and they right. go around the southwest of the country so the dad's army was put on in places like wimborne chippenham yeovil Weymouth, and uh, but not by the same cast. So you had a different cast in each town, I and, see. and each t- and so we were the last one to do it. So for example, Wimborne would have had all the stage props and the and, so and then, they, it, they then they the whole the thing same... goes by lorry. So and we did four episodes from uh, from Dad's Army, basically. So four separate episodes, and uh, um. and um, yeah, I mean Alan, Alan's really good. I mean he was perfect for um, for Godfrey. I mean he could be Godfrey basically. So <laughs> in another life, I've told him that as well. But and he was in I think a couple of years ago they did a low, a low, and before that um, that's right. Yeah, uh, what's the other one? Uh, not last of the summer wine. Um, oh, Vicar, Vicar Dibley. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, he did the didn't he do the like no 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 yes no 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 yes no what? guy. What, in Dad's Army? No, Vicar oh, Dibley. Dibley, yeah. Was that, yeah. Was that his... Well, I, actually, I don't know, actually, because I didn't go and see it. I've but, never but. seen him on stage, but I know him. But. And and whenever I see him in in character for yeah. these productions... He, I, no, no, I he's very... I mean, very to, good. To be honest, everyone in it was fantastic. And the, and the nice thing with it was there was people like me who were first-timer who'd never done anything before. There was quite a few people who, who'd never done it before. And then there was people who do them regularly, basically. So I learned a lot from you know, some people are way more experienced than me. And I think I surprised myself. I mean, A, A, I, don't, I didn't mess any of my lines up. B, I, because I, I know Dad's Army, I was, I felt I was fairly in character as the, as Hodges. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, it was, it was good, but it was really nice. Everyone was very, very authentic, you know, every character and a really nice bunch of people. So that was another really nice reason for doing it. So, And you said something interesting there when you said that you surprised yourself. Yes. Um, are you always looking to, to, are you still looking to sort of surprise yourself or grow and develop or, or, cause I know that you did one of these crazy Jurassic walk. I've done two actually. With, um, with my man, David Feast. Exactly. I did. Shout out David Feast. Yeah, yeah. I love you, David. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I love that man. Um, Cindy, I'll tell him tomorrow night in person cause we got, we got our Christmas works due, which is again aborted from last year because of COVID. So. Right. Well, you say hello from me. I love I Dave. Um, yeah, and he was telling me about how the, your boundless energy, uh, even on that. I, I mean, again, I, I wanted to do that. My my dad had, um, well, he's, he's unfortunately died a year or so ago um, from dementia, basically. And I, I decided I wanted to do a walk to raise money for Alzheimer's. Um, and yes, I, I, I like walking, but not 70 miles continuously. <laughs> and I hadn't done that before. And I didn't know whether I could do it, obviously, because, you know, I know it's not something you can sort of plan for. You can, you can do a bit of training for it, but you can't just go on a 70 mile continuous walk that often. Um, and yes, it was up the Jurassic coast and so the hills were rather steep. And, and it was, you know, we started at sort of 7.30 in the morning on the Saturday and you walk right through the night, you obviously stop for 
food and stuff. It had food breaks and uh, yeah, I did it with Dave and uh, yeah, finished it and was, you know, I was aching at the end of it, as you can imagine. Uh, and then we did another one the year after, the Isle of Wight. So we did the whole of the perimeter of the Isle of Wight. And again, that was a continuous walk as well to raise money. I did for the same thing. So I raised about a thousand quid on each one. So um, and I, whether I, I mean, Dave, I think he's doing another one next year and I'm quite keen on doing one I got to admit because I think I could still do it but um it's one of those things when you start off it's you know it's really great fun but you know when you get to the middle of the night and it's cold and uh, and you're walking and you can't see anything in front of you you know that's when you think do I really want to carry on with this but <laughs> the, the again the other nice thing is it's the camaraderie you've got two and a half thousand people doing the same thing right and if you stop they're there to g you up and you do the same to other people so I think like uh, you know it's, you just you feel like you're part of a team and obviously it's great to do something to raise some money so what are you eating on those food breaks because you, you, you get lots of, i mean all the foods provided you have right. to um again they're done by a company called ultra challenge so you you have to guarantee raising a certain amount of sponsor money and then for that you get you don't pay anything to enter but you actually get all the food and everything that you want so you obviously lots of bananas i think i had about 21 bananas on that <laughs> on the two days lots of chocolate bars but then you have cooked meals as well right. you know there's four major stop breaks where you'll have a proper hot meal because they must tailor it calorie wise right yeah because yeah. there must be a no, there's loads i mean there's loads of you know bits of pineapple oranges and stuff like that as well as mugs of tea and you know um so all the goodness and stuff like that but so it's uh but yeah i, I enjoy doing i probably would like to do one again so what's always stopped me again is just the time aspect is it's the time to train for it and the preparation away for a weekend from the shop but hence the reason i want to go down to four days so i can actually do a few more things like that as well so and you've got your man tom yep the, a trusty trusty yes, uh, he is, yeah. man yeah and he's a lot younger than me so he can uh, <laughs> i pay him good money so he can he can do the work that i'm not going to be doing the amount of times i've messaged him at like one in the morning and be like hey have you got this and i'd be like oh no it's one in the morning <laughs> leave the man alone he probably still replies yeah <laughs> he does sometimes yeah. i'm trying to leave that alone now. It's just, yeah. but yeah yeah, I like to. I love Tom. Um, so tell me about like re- tell me about rare records. I guess this is a, a thing that you're going to get asked a lot, being the owner of a record store. M- thousands, maybe m- maybe millions of records have passed through your hands at yeah. this point. How often do you see something these days after twenty? How many years? Twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. In in the it. game. How often do you see something when you're like, Jesus Christ, I never thought I'd see one of these. Is it not, have you seen it's it all not, at this point? It's, no, I definitely haven't seen it all. I mean, it's not that often, obviously. You see a lot more run-of-the-mill stuff and, and you know, to every decent collection that comes through the doors, we probably get offered about 150 bad ones, basically, right. which most of them we don't take. You know, the... Sometimes people will come in with a, you know, a box of stuff and you might pull three or four records out and pay them 20 quid for that and just say, just get rid. We don't want the rest. Just take them away somewhere. But yeah, no, you still see things. I mean, we got a collection a while back and there was the Motorhead's first album in it um, with the silver embossed on sleeve, which again is pretty rare. So, uh, so uh, that was, I know, again, I didn't think it was as rare when I, when we bought the collection as it is basically. So it's still exciting, but getting a box of records or even CDs. I mean, CDs can be as collectible as records actually. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Grateful Dead, Europe 72 box set. Yeah. If you ever get that in, <sighs> right, if you ever see one, I'll tell you, it's worth about two grand. Is it? And it's I won't just, tell you because you weren't better for it. No, you just put it by for about four years. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stick that in the back. I'll come back and get around to that. Um, it's, uh, it's like a suitcase. It's a, like an old 
style travel suitcase. Yeah. And when you when you, and it's wooden and everything. And when you open it up, it's got all the slots in it. For, yeah. and, and each each CD is one night of the tour. It's the yeah. whole tour. Actually, they've done that with that. I've had other bands that Pearl Jam did something like that as well, where what, every CD was one night of the tour. I've had that before in a collection. So, but yeah, that's that is really anal and completist. And uh, yeah. yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> like, I've got a uh, I've got a Grateful Dead July every show from July nineteen seventy eight box set. Why listen to it? I don't know, listen. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll get round to it. I'll get round to it. Um, what uh, What would you like to do with the store now? Like you've got the because I know for your um anniversary you're planning something do you want to talk about yeah i can do yeah i mean we weren't sure well the anniversary is next 13th of march next year and that's that will be 25 years of trading as um i don't know how many people will know we did something for the 20th anniversary at the um more uh not the memorial the hexagon behind and that was really really good we had about invited 150 of our regular customers to it and we had uh, Tom Robinson headline there so and we had lots of local bands playing as well and compare John Harris did the compare for it and it was a really really fantastic day a lot of record companies gave previews away and things like that and it was just a really really nice evening and we obviously want to go one better but it's it's you know we we want it again aimed at our regular customers because that's what it's for to reward them for supporting us over the 20 25 years but it's just getting a headliner for it, really. Right. So because we, we we sort of think, you know, we've obviously people will expect us to go, you know, at least the same as Top Robinson, or maybe one better. And it's actually finding someone who wants to come to Froome to right. actually play for free at our twenty <laughs> fifth anniversary bash. So that's what we, you know. That, I wouldn't say it's a stumbling block, but it's um it's something that we you know, you're working we're on. We're working it. on basically. Um, we will do something definitely for the twenty fifth, and if we can't get anybody. You know, ridiculously well known, then we'll still do it basically because it'll still be a nice evening. So, we've had all kinds of people do in stores. Um, for you and Billy Bragg, yep. I met Billy Bragg when he came, that was really great. We packed out Cheap Street, yeah, 650 people in Cheap Street. I wasn't there, ironically, typical because it was a record store day, and I was actually doing working in the I think I was in the warmest shop, or he could have been in the bath shop that day, so I actually missed it, right? But obviously, yes, I've seen the video of it and everything, and that was, yeah, that was phenomenally good, and people still talk about that. To this day, really. So. Yeah, it was great. And I was at that 20th anniversary yep. just over the road there, wasn't it? Yes. I've got to say, Tom Robinson did a great set. He did, fantastic. Well, the reason we got him was he, he was playing at the Cheese and Grain, which we, we went to the gig. My wife's a big Tom Robinson fan, and he played outside our shop um, before, uh, I think during the day, basically, which was great, before his, before the gig. And we just actually asked him. We said, I think, you know, we just said well, it's our 20th anniversary coming up. Do, can you do it? And he came with a, another guitarist and, yeah, did a half-hour slot. Whatever. I met so, him so. that day. Yeah. I'm, I yeah. don't know if you remember no, this. Um, I walked in when I was doing radio at the time. Yeah. I walked in with this sheet of paper that I'd printed out. It had, like, a cover letter sort of thing, like yeah. a bio on it and a, dig and a press release and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I printed out pictures of me on the radio, yeah. lovely Chris Bailey shots. Yeah. Um, I, I spent money on that, getting those printed out. <laughs> and then I went and bought a memory stick and I put some shows on the memory stick. I spoke to Hugh Morgan, who was on BBC Six. And I was like, hey, I'm Tom Robinson's in town. Um, do you think I should like speak to him about, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. if he likes my show and yeah. maybe he can help me out in Radio yeah. World. He was like, yeah, he's a good guy. You should go yeah. and speak to him. Like, tell him I said hello. Yeah. I was like, cool, cool, cool. So I went down, 
What? Still, I will say, I saw him that evening in Cheese and Grain. Yeah. Great set. And I saw him at your yeah. bash. Yeah. Great set. I'm not going to knock him. Great yeah. musician. Yeah. When, I'm, when I met him in your old yeah. store, I said, hey, man, um, uh, just wondering if you could help me. I've got this here. I do radio. Yeah. And I would really love it if you just like could listen to it and like let me know what you think. And he went, why would I help you? You're my competition. <laughs> Is that what he said? He mugged me right off. Right, and I just went, oh, because okay. <laughs> I spoke to Huey, who works with him, and he was yeah. like, "Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. he's a cool guy. Like, go that's and speak weird. to him." Yeah, and uh, he just flat out just shot me down, God. and then and then decided to like like be very um, patronising, giving yeah. me all this advice. It was very patronising, yeah. and then was, it was just rude. Yeah, what a knob! <laughs> what a knob! Um, but then, but then I can't deny good musician that yeah, night, yeah, good musician. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I couldn't believe it. And then I walked in um, to yours like a week or so later and you went, oh, I've got something for you here. Yeah. I think you left it here and you gave me back the pack that I gave him. Oh, he, yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what an um, So yeah, I'm not, he's not in my best books, Tom Robinson, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, I guess it's right now. I mean, he's an older guy at the BBC yeah. and they want you to stay relevant. And yeah. you know, I guess it, if I guess to a degree, he's fighting for his. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought you were competition, as you say. But it's you know. It's, I it's, would have been uh, if they put. Yeah. Put <laughs> um, but the, but no, not really. Not in that moment. No, no, no. no, no, no. I thought that was very poor yeah, of him. Yeah. Very poor of him. Yeah. But um, okay. So if anyone's listening to this and they want in there and they're uber famous, more famous than Tom Robinson. Yeah. Then uh, get in touch and yeah. uh, come and play the the. Uh, I mean, we've got, we we have got a few. I mean. Most of you probably were. We've had Robert Plant in the shop three times. Yes, so I would uh, like again, that. Again, that, that would be good. But again, he would need, because he doesn't really play guitar, so he'd have to actually have, not a band with him, but he'd have to have some other musicians with him. And uh, But that would be fantastic. But, I mean, I've got I've got some of my favourites I'd like to be there, like Ian Hunter from Mott the Hooper. Like, you know, that would that would be, you know, the best day of my life if I could, it would. But, you know, it's just like, you know, how, how do you contact these people? That's the hardest yeah. thing, you know, so it's... Uh, is he the kind of guy that, like, now lives in L.A. somewhere? Or he and, does, yeah, he, li right. he lives in the States. But again, he, he's the type of person that would do it, I'd imagine, right. you know, because, you know, when you get to that, you know, thing, and, you know, someone like McCartney was the type of thing, if he took his fancy, you know... Yeah, because you've you got so much money at that point, you just do stuff yeah, for the love of it, For the right? love of it, yeah, but it's, it's how you actually... You know, it's just how you contact them. That's the hardest thing. You know, you can't just email someone. You can't just ring them up, can you? So you've got to actually hope that someone in the know will know. Right. Is that how? Yeah, that is the biggest thing. Is it is access to these people, and they they pay people a lot of money to restrict that or yeah. field a lot of that stuff because they're so famous, so they've got so much money that they're always being pestered. I mean, it was, it. it was years ago when we first started. It was a lot easier because the record companies we had actually points of contact at all the record companies. So even the larger companies, we we you know we would have a rep and we would say, well, we're doing such and such. For example, when we Universal Music put something on called Stevie Parker. She, she had, yes, she, I know Stevie. Well, she did two albums and she came and played three or four. You were obviously right. there that evening, and I mean, she didn't make. Well, so she didn't make it. Her albums didn't sell very well. But anyway, she came and you know, and that was via Universal. So, right. but nowadays, to be honest, the companies are so big. You just there's no port of contact for anyone. I mean, even getting like a signing session and stuff. We normally get those from so an artist might be playing at the Cheese and Grain, and you know, then they'll come and do a signing session in the shop you know, that type of thing ready but it's not as easy just contacting a record company now and saying can you you know have you got any artists that can come and play at our bash really so that's the that's the trickiest thing the companies are too big and 
don't, don't, don't really want to know really right. so, so. um yeah that's a shame with that stevie parker stuff i'm mean, fully expecting i've every faith that you know something is around yeah. the corner for yeah yeah but that that debut album i'm not sure i've heard a second album no but her debut album is very no good. it is good i mean she was, she very was great good. it was nice to have you know and she could have gone on to be Laura Marlin or you know something like that and then it would have been great to say oh yeah we had Stevie Parker play but you know it hasn't hasn't happened or hasn't happened for a yet so yeah yet yet I believe in her she's very good yeah um what was it you know you were telling me about this thing the other day with Universal yeah with the vinyl price yeah thing. yeah is that true what you well it's war- turn- Warner's are the biggest Warner. thing but again it's to be honest it's all 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 the major suppliers um Sony Universal and Warner it's predominantly Warner, actually. I mean, the prices are... I mean, they were going to go up on the 1st of November. Um, and uh, so we sort of stockpiled on certain things that we thought were going to go out of stock and, right. and so that we could still do them at the same price because a lot, a lot of the prices were going up to obscene prices, like, you know, back catalogue Doors albums and Bowies were going from... To buy into yeah, to your buy store. To buy into shop, they were, like, doubling the dealer price. So on you know, to, to make any money at all, we'd have had to, like, put the prices up by about... I don't know, 60, 70%, which is, you know, obscene. So we, like, uh, got ready, you know, but ironically, then they didn't actually go through with the price increases, but they are doing it apparently from the 1st of January, I think it is now. So that really seems counterintuitive. Well, it's almost like they're, I don't know, I don't know what the reason is. I mean, it's almost like they're trying to kill the the industry because I can't, you know, there's, there's no, no shop could justify charging those prices if, if they go ahead with those so prices. So what, what, what are you going to have to charge for a brand? Let's say well, some, some things like the Ramones back catalogue, you know, the, you, you were, I don't know, we might have been paying about £12 dealer price for yeah. something we would sell at 20 So, you know, obviously once you add your VAT, you're still not making a huge amount. But yeah. um, but the, the dealer price for something like the Ramones were go, going up to £24. So, you know, you And got, then you have to make then, a profit yeah, on top so, of that. So you've really got to be selling at sort of £35. And people, people won't pay that for... A, you know, the Ramones' first album as a repress, unfortunately. So we just wouldn't stock it, you know, throughout, you know, we just wouldn't be able to. So we'd obviously then concentrate more on the trying to get good second-hand stuff. But it's, it's whether it's going to happen across the board. But the the other, the biggest issue at the moment is the availability of new repress vinyl because right. uh, um, because of the demand. I mean, it's, it's a lot of reasons. One is the demand. I think Brexit has having something to, to do with it because most of it comes from the continent. Most right. of it's pressed in the Czech Republic and France because there is no big pressing plants in this country at the moment. So because EMI decided that no one were was needed vinyl anymore, so all the pressing plants in the country basically were either sold to Poland and places like that. So uh, so it all comes from abroad, um, and also just I think it's the the, the bare, bare materials, whatever. But generally, you know, if, I, if you look at our things that we're out of stock of at the moment. Although you wouldn't know it, looking how much stock we've got on the shelves, but actually, if you actually go look at our stock lines, uh, you know, there's like seven Smiths albums we're out of stock of, three or four Bowie albums, um, virtually loads of Cure albums. Um, certain artists are just nothing available at the moment, right. and it's not just us. If you look at Amazon, haven't got it either. No, H and V haven't got it. So, uh, and you don't know when it's going to come back in stock again. So, there's a big issue with that at the moment. Right, and that's going to be exasperated with obviously if the price increases as well. So it's I don't I don't really know um, the answer really. I've never known it. I've never then known the availability be so bad for so many products um, in the twenty five years that we've traded. Right, 
There's a um, there was a thing about the new Adele album, wasn't there? Yeah. Some controversy that because she is one of the biggest sellers for the CD yeah. format yeah. still, that the um, that the production or the manufacture of her albums because she was putting in such a large order. Yeah. That was pushing back yeah, a that, lot of I mean, our, that, other artists' releases. You've got Adele and Abba, which are obviously two big releases, you know, probably you know the biggest that's been for quite some time. And yes, obviously they take precedence over the standard back catalogue stuff. And and that is, there's also a glut at the moment of, um, I mean, you you can relate to this, but box sets and things that are just coming out, reissues of anniversary reissues of albums that maybe don't really deserve an anniversary because they weren't that good albums in the first place. And I'd, I'd like to see them concentrate a bit more on classic albums. Like, you know, Parallel Lines Blondie hasn't been available for about a year now on vinyl as, as right. a repress. And, you know, you can't, get much more, one. you can't get much more classic than that. It's but, amazing. Yeah. That and album. it's still, it doesn't say it's deleted, but you just, we just can't, you just can't get copies at the moment. So, and it's, you know, instead of that, you know, they're bringing out like the yellow vinyl copies of, albums that just weren't that good in the first place so. every other day i see motorhead reissuing yeah. something <laughs> yeah I'm just getting a bit like yeah no <sighs> like on the one hand because i like because i like to think i'm a bit of a historian and whatnot yeah. and in, in my collection is almost like an archive of you know of history and stuff is i love it when you know the, the no sleep till hammersmith um thing comes out and they're like oh here's the box set with the other night yeah on yeah. it record yeah. i'm like great i love that yeah. But it's when they it's when they go. Oh, we're going to do this album again, and then um, we're going to put an, in a six CD box set, and it's yeah. going to be 150 quid. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't no, do it. No, I can't do no. it every other every month. There's something coming out that I'd love to dive into no, and listen to all no. the outtakes of and everything. No. But you know what I'm like when there's a reissue out, I come sniffing around yeah. and I, what's that? You got a two disc version, yeah. right? I love that. <laughs> I, I can't help it. Is that where predominantly you're making the money from now? Is like reissues? Of it seems facts? to be really. I mean, there is. There's still loads of really good new releases. I mean, I don't think. I don't think the industry for new bands is, is any worse than it was. You know, you just got to hunt them out. You know, more basically now. You won't maybe hear them on the radio, but we've got loads of new bands and stuff. We can actually play to people if they come in the shop. But, uh, yeah, they do. I mean, the, the reissues and things do well. I mean, certain things are better than others, like All Things Must Pass, George Harrison, which you would think would be massive. Yeah. It bombed. We just didn't do very well with it. And we've still got lots of copies of box sets and CD. We, yeah, we sold a few, but that hadn't been available for years as a right. thing. Whereas the Let It Be thing has gone well because, there's you know, the extra tracks are really, really good. Um the uh, what else has recently come out as a reissue? The Nirvana one did well. Um, That's know, the surprising because yeah. they only did they only but did then, a box yeah, that ten isn't... years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, you know, there's another Motorhead one, or you know, I, I can admit we're just thinking really and, and Grateful Dead. To be fair, you know, how many more do we need? We can't fit the ones we've got on the shelves. So never ask. Yeah, them. Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa. You know, it's just mountains of. I mean, there's, there's so the much Zappa stuff available stuff. anyway, but you just. But yeah. annoyingly, they all sell a bit. So we, you know, we, you, you have to stock them because we, you know, we pride ourselves on, you know, having all the new releases as well, having a great back catalogue of stuff. You don't want to be seen as, well, we're not doing that. But yes, that we will, we might have to be, you know, in the new year, definitely think, well, actually, no, we're not going to get that in. You know, we've got nowhere to put it. Who's going to want it? We're going to, you know, but we, we do, we, I mean, we, we gauge what our customers want um, via Facebook and stuff. So right. and we, you know, we, to have a big pre-order list of, you know, some people in advance, all our, you know, people who shop with us regularly will say, well, can you put me buy a copy of that? Can I have this and stuff like that? So, uh, I mean, you're one of those people anyway, so you'll be on our computer 
for certain things that are coming out, whatever. Um, but the more people tell us things they want in advance, obviously that helps us gauge our orders. But right. um, obviously if people don't tell us, then we have to just rely on our, you know, experience really and think how many how many can we sell of this? You know, so. Yeah, um, I got on all things must pass from you. Yep. Um, very good. And it's great. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, you can't get much class, more classic album than that. But right. yes, it just didn't sell as well as we thought it would go. And, uh, you know, we've got it's a lot surprising. of valuable stock tied up in, in that. Yeah, in those big yeah. Um, And you mentioned the Frank Zappa one. I, I was in there the other day and I saw that there's a Frank Zappa reissue and they've got some sort of Halloween mask. Yeah, well, we're, again, we, 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 we all, I think we only ordered two. We did sell one, but, you know, that's just, God, it's a massive great box and you just, you know, Desperate to get rid of it, just hope someone, someone will come and just taking up space on the well, shelves. You know, so. if you really want to shift some of these super yeah, deluxe yeah. box sets, yeah. Richard, and no well, one's buying well, them. Well, we always do deals on anything. So, deal. yes, pe people who will know us will, you know, they've only got to come in and try us. You know, if it's if they're not, as long as they're not taking the. Don't take the piss. No, exactly. But, um, they can uh, but bring your yes, we'll do, do We'll always do deals with people on anything that we've had for a while, definitely. So. For sure. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I picked up just before we wrap up is. Um, is when you said that um, they're putting up the obviously they're putting up the price yeah. of of these records, yeah, um, and like you said, Ramones will be going up. You know, you'd have to sell it for thirty five yeah. quid. Now I love the Ramones, yeah, so do I. Um, but I'm not paying. This is why I buy no, CD. No. I'm not. I'm not paying. No. Well, that's why we actually, you know, obviously stockpile. We actually, when we knew the prices were going up. Yeah, we spent quite a lot of money and 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 taking up a lot of space on classic albums, and yeah. so we've got like you know, we would normally only keep certain classic albums. We might keep one or two on vinyl in stock. Some we only keep one, and when then we sell it, we get it in again, basically. But at the moment, because of the availability, we're having to sort of think ahead and think. There's a Lana Del Rey album that's come back into stock. How many do we get? You know, it's going to be out of stock almost certainly the week after. So, uh, right. So with like the Ramones, yeah, we we sort of stockpile a bit, and then they didn't go up in price. So it's like annoying. And sods law, we haven't sold any since. Right. So, so if anybody wants any Ramones album, come and get them now before they go up. <laughs> but this has an, a knock-on effect. They're yeah. not these labels, whoever are dealing with the legacies yeah. of these bands. They're not. This is not a long game. No, that no, they're playing. no, no, no. Because if they make it so that you don't want to buy those, you're yeah. too expensive yeah, for you yeah, to justify yeah. buying in. They are killing the legacy yeah. of those bands. Whereas uh, acts, you know, new modern acts will come out on Spotify mm. and do gazillion streams, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Whereas acts like Ramones and Jimi Hendrix, um, a queen do very well. But some of these classic bands on the streamers, yeah. their statistics are actually dropping a little bit yeah. over time. And this is stopping people from finding these bands, the next generation from yeah. finding these bands and owning them and having a real, because you don't have, it's very rare with something that you're streaming to have, to have a really, well, for me, to have a really like sort of deep connection to the music because it feels very kind of like, well, I can just play something else in a minute. And something yeah. else. There's no value. There's, there's not a lot of value to it. No. And so when you're buying stuff and you're investing in it and you're listening to it and you're loving it, yeah. that is when you get these deep connections to these bands. Yeah, and that's how they survive into the future because you pass them down to people. And I just feel if you're putting the, your 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 stock up for vinyl like that, you're just ki in, you're killing your your own back catalogue yeah. for yeah. for the future. I don't, I don't, I you know, literally don't know why. I know obviously production costs of everything goes up, and that's that's understandable. But um, 
I, yeah, I did, to, the cynical side of me says there's something more sinister in it. And, I, you know, it's not just me saying that, it's other record shops because we belong to the Record Retailers Association. So we obviously get to see what other independent record shops are saying on the same thing. We're all in the same boat as well, obviously. So uh, um, we don't know why that, that would be happening, whether it's just the independent shops are going to have to pay those prices and whether Amazon still get it cheap. But that doesn't seem to follow because we know our prices on vinyl is uh, virtually the same. Quite often we can be cheaper than Amazon. and loft, Often we've got things in stock that Amazon haven't got with vinyl. Um, so it does seem to be that everyone's going to be you know affected by it. So... Uh, but yeah, I d we don't know. But again, because there's no one we can go to in these companies to get a definitive answer, we rely on the Record Retailers Association to get some replies. But at the moment, no one seems to really know why it's going to happen and whether it will. Who knows? Sinister. Watch the space. Yeah. Thanks very much, Richard. That's all right. And congratulations on 25 years in I've got one of the best businesses I've ever, but probably another. one of the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, hopefully we'll be at the party. Fantastic. Yep, see you then. Nice one. Big thank you to this week's guest, Richard Churchyard. We are going to leave a link to uh, all things Raised from the Grave in the show notes description box, and we'll leave some other links to bits and bobs that we've talked about that are relevant as well. If you uh, want to support this podcast, you can so by liking, subscribing, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you've got a friend who you think would have enjoyed this conversation, then please share it with them. It's a great way of helping us grow without spending any money. Uh, what's next? What's next is the social media. If you want to follow us on social media, you can. It is at the Giant Pod. That's on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow my adventures, you can. It's Andy underscore TGP. Uh, this podcast was produced by the man with the biggest record collection I've ever met, Harry Williams. We will see you next week on the Giant Pod. Thanks very much.